Are you ever jealous of the well-presented visual content that some people add into their social media posts or the business presentations? You know, the catchy graphics and the ace backgrounds. Or the slick business documents that you see. And you think to yourself, if only I could do that, but it's a bit beyond me. Well, no, it isn't. Because with Canva for Teams, you can do just that yourself. Simple as. Or not just you, perhaps you and your team also. I do find it all impressive, the artwork and that jazz that some people put into everything. But I also thought for ages that doing it was beyond me and it was too complex and daunting looking to do. Well, I did until I started messing about with Canva for Teams. Because I now see how simply you can do it as there is as much there to help you as there is to captivate you. Personally, I love the templates for the Instagram posts and its Facebook add-in effects. I think they're fabulous. But that's merely the tip of the iceberg. You've got Canva whiteboards and Canva docs, giving you and your team infinite space to collaborate and brainstorm for your best results. With the added power of design for these, Canva presentations, which will take your presentations up to that next level through the use of professionally designed templates. Or Canva print. So all of these inspired designs that you make, you can bring to life on anything from posters to mugs and all printed planet friendly. Just have a play with it. You'll find no end of great stuff to help you turn inspiration into design in no time. Plus, with features such as magic design, where by simply uploading an image, you can watch as a collection of unique templates appear that you can customize to your own liking or simply finish with a few personal touches. Or Magic Write, where if you're suffering the dreaded writer's block that we all get sometimes, then you can simply enter a prompt into and it generates a first draft for you. Boom, you'll find Canva, its countless premium fonts and graphics, and its free library of videos, pictures, audio tracks and animations at your disposal, loaded with all you and your team need to make the best creations you can, supporting and perhaps even suggesting your creative process each step of the way. Design and collaborate with Canva for Teams. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you go to canva.me slash TCE. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash T-C-E for a free 45-day extended trial. Canva.me slash T-C-E. Hello all, and the very warmest of welcomes to the True Crime Enthusiast podcast, where each time around for my study in North Wales, yes, I've upgraded now, I strive to bring you those tales of true crime you haven't heard a thousand times over on other shows, often the long-forgotten or unfamiliar tales, some so out there they're scarcely believable as true, but which all are. All brought to you by myself, Paul, the creator, host, and true crime enthusiast of the show's title. I am joined by my beloved black and white menace, Pixie, the true crime enthusiast cat, who, as we know, is never far from me at all. And we are completed by yourselves, the enthusiasts that the show is for and who make it go around simple as. It is as fabulous as it always is having you join us today, which I thank you for. And I do hope that as you have done, you join us for a tale that finds you and yours all good all safe and all well. So, if you're a Patreon supporter of the show, and by the way, 
I haven't forgotten shout outs at all. They will be coming next time around. I am really playing catch up somewhat here with myself, but I promise you they're coming. But if you are a Patreon supporter and you've heard the latest tale out, Predator on Plenty of Fish, then you'll know for that tale, I delved into the horrors that can come with a murky and somewhat dangerous world of online dating. Now, once a niche alternative to chatting up people in real life, online dating apps have become, in recent years, the absolute norm for a lot of people. You just download an app like Plenty of Fish, Tinder, Grinder, whatever floats your boat, and within seconds, you can be browsing a limitless stream of potential partners. And whilst if you're sensible with it, I'm sure that it can undoubtedly be rewarding. When I was researching the Patreon tale though, I was so dismayed just how many horror stories there are to do with it that I came across. Tales from Plenty of Fish, Tinder, Grinder, the list goes on. Now there are several accounts that I've researched, which will all come over time on the show, but I've selected one of these to bring to you for this time around. There are many names that could suit the individual concerned. I'm sure you can think of a choice few as the episode progresses, but I've opted for Monster, which I think ticks all of the boxes, as politely as I can be. When his crimes are taken into context, we're looking at an individual here who is more prolific a serial rapist than both Peter Cook and Tony McLean both names we've met some years ago on The Enthusiast, and could quite well be one of the most prolific sex offenders in British criminal history. I kid you not, yes. All anonymity of those affected by the actions you will hear within the tale has been maintained, and because we're talking about two trials here, I have brought the tales of the victim somewhat in chronological order of the offences. There may be a bit of time jumping, but... I shall explain as I go along. The episode contains details and descriptions of crimes and events, including descriptions of a sexual nature, that some listeners may find disturbing and or distressing, so please use discretion whilst listening in all. The following accounts are not meant for sensationalism or to shock people. I include them in the detail that I do because I want you to feel how I did when I was researching it. Two things particularly. The evil actions that an individual can come up with and the ripples these can have and the bravery of some people. Bearing that in mind, please join the True Crime Enthusiast for an episode I've entitled Monster on Match. Back in 2014, then 49-year-old Hampshire resident Jason Lawrence a 17-stone former boxer and successful building contractor, came across as the conventionally masculine, confident and capable type, the kind of man who could be relied on. Born on the 12th of April 1965 and raised in the village of Burbage in Leicestershire, Lawrence held an interest in rugby, he played football for his village team and took up amateur boxing as a teenager at the now-defunct Belgrave Boxing Club in Leicester. An acquaintance of Lawrence's, who'd attended school with him in Hinckley in Leicestershire in the late 1970s and early 1980s, said of him later, Jason Lawrence had a reputation for being a hard boy, the hardest in his year. You didn't pick a fight with him. Conversely though, 
A former coach of Lawrence's from the boxing club remembers him as an average performer who won a few and lost a few. He wasn't a big lad. Lawrence left school at age 16 and became an apprentice bricklayer, later setting up his own company, L&P Engineering Limited, and moving into the lucrative property development market, building houses all over the Leicestershire area. Although he never married his long-term partner Fiona Lloyd, who he'd met in 1986, they went on to have three children together, James, Joshua and daughter Jade and settled down in one of the luxury homes that Lawrence had built in Hinckley. And for many years, they were seemingly a happy enough family. One of these types that featured often with notices placed in the local paper detailing one of them's birthday, or the birth of a new child, anniversaries, that type of thing. While neighbours spoken to later recalled a somewhat overbearing man who liked to give the impression that he owned the area, a former associate of Lawrence's said, he seemed to be a perfectly pleasant guy. However, he added, I was absolutely shocked to hear the allegations against him. It's not something you could have seen coming based on his nature. Indeed, Lawrence, the loud, larger-than-life character, the successful businessman and father, the boxing and rugby fan, he was even an under-11s rugby coach, and the father of three seemed to be almost a hero to many who knew him. His middle son Josh described him later as My role model. My father taught me everything from how to kick a football to protecting others. We, meaning he and Lawrence's other children, we all seem to be doing well, and this can only be because of the way we were brought up. These words, however, were not spoken as some glowing testimony to a friend in the pub or bragging to a workmate about how wonderful your dad is. They were spoken from the witness box of Derby Crown Court in February 2016 and were given as part of a character reference Josh had given for his father. For that month, the then 50-year-old building contractor had gone on trial there charged with a litany of serious sexual offences against several different women, dating back over the previous few years and spanning several counties of the UK. So, what causes such a sea change in a person? Seemingly, in 2009, Lawrence's relationship with the mother of his children, Fiona, appears to have broken down. There are no reports as to why, though as the tale progresses, you can perhaps hazard a guess, and he'd moved out of the family home. He had soon placed himself onto the dating sites Match.com and Dating Direct. At least, those are the only two he was reportedly on, anyway. And begun to contact women from there. Hundreds, if not thousands, of women. And on screen... The builder and property developer was able to present himself as a respectable singleton and a father of grown-up children. For many of the women unfortunate enough to click on one of his two known pictureless Match.com profiles, using the screen names Keep It Straight Today and Straight Man Looking, or to respond to one of his messages, Lawrence was apparently exactly what they were looking for. 
Most of those who went on to arrange dates with him were in their late 40s or early 50s and were looking for love and companionship after being divorced or widowed. When they met him in the flesh, however, they were to learn in the vilest manner imaginable that Lawrence was nothing like his on-screen alter ego, which resulted in him almost seven years later facing charges of raping five women he'd met on dating websites, victims from five counties, Derbyshire, Leicestershire, Lincolnshire, Northamptonshire and Cambridgeshire, attempting to rape a sixth woman and sexually assaulting another between June 2011 and November 2014, charges which he denied. That was just to begin with also. The court heard Lawrence used his two pictureless profiles on Match.com and Dating Direct to contact thousands of women, but was keener to bring the talk to women offline and onto text almost immediately, specifically with women who were divorced or widowed, and many who were lonely and vulnerable, saying to them he was unable to upload a profile picture for technical reasons. Sean Smith KC, prosecuting, told the jury. We suggest that's because he was keen to engineer a situation where he persuaded women to make contact with him privately by phone or text message or email so he was not being watched by the Match.com website. The court heard that following a complaint made in Derbyshire in November 2014, Lawrence had been arrested and detectives uncovered a string of women that he was believed to have attacked over the previous years. Mr Smith continued, As a result of police checks whilst he was in custody, a rather disturbing picture emerged about the defendant's relationship with women, in particular women with whom he had had contact on Match.com. It was also revealed Lawrence had been arrested on suspicion of rape in Lincolnshire in 2013, though he was bailed and no charges were brought against him due to lack of evidence. The harrowing details that had led to that courtroom in February 2016 were then relayed to the jury, as I shall describe here, though specific dates of the offences are not reported. In April 2011, Lawrence contacted a 54-year-old divorced mother of two from Northamptonshire, who met him via match later that month. The pair exchanged mobile numbers and private email addresses, and between April and that June, went on four dates, enjoying drinks at country pubs, and never sharing more than a goodbye kiss on the lips, nothing sexual whatsoever. However, the court heard that their final meeting was traumatic. In June 2011, the woman and Lawrence agreed to meet up for a drink near Crick in Northamptonshire. Lawrence turned up in a van and taking her mobile phone away from her, drove her up a track to a field, parked up and then lured her into the back of the van on the pretense of inspecting bunk beds that he said he'd built for his children. There, she was then raped, despite the fact that she was crying and asking him to stop, Mr Smith told the court. The woman's later police interview where she recalled her feelings during the attack was then played to the court, 
in which she told police that her impressions of him before the attack were as a solid chap, family-minded. She continued, I thought I was not going to see my kids again. I remember thinking I was never going to get out of here. He was a well-built, muscly man, and I did not want to antagonise him. I was just crying and saying, Let me go. You don't want to do this. Let me go home now. But he didn't listen. He was just hell-bent, going to do what he came to do. He made me feel humiliated, disgusted. She didn't report him to police at the time, but did call a local police station 18 months later when he'd messaged her under a different username on the website. However, nothing came of the report. Now one source claims that the same month, he also sexually assaulted a woman in a Tobian car park in Leicestershire. It may be something that I come on to. It may be a bit of a misnomer. It's a point of ambiguity, that is. What is more certain is we skip forward now to July 2013 and Lawrence meets another woman, aged 54, through Match.com. After exchanging what was described as banter online that evening, Lawrence asked if he could drive the 60 miles to her home in Spalding in Lincolnshire to meet her in person. She agreed and Lawrence then asked the woman when he was there if he could have a bath at her house which she described later as a bit up front. And she said the pair then went out to enjoy a pub meal together before returning to her home and drinking more. He then asked her if he could stay the night and the woman told police she had agreed on the condition that he stayed on the sofa. In her interview, she said, I made it quite clear, I didn't want to hold your hand, I'm just your friend. But he was quite forceful, he said, We've got to be more than friends. The woman described how she then went to bed, leaving Lawrence on the sofa, and was awoken during the night by an awful weight on top of her, saying, I realised it was him. I told him, No, what are you doing? At that point, I realised I had my pyjama bottoms off. He was smothering me and got my arms back and told me to be quiet. The more I was saying no, the more he was aroused. Now thankfully, the woman's 16-year-old son was asleep in a nearby bedroom, and the woman said she managed to shout for him after moving Lawrence's hand off her face, continuing. I did struggle because he was quite a heavy man. I couldn't move his hand off my face, but it did slip, and I was able to shout for my son. Lawrence then gathered his clothes and left the house, but the following day contacted her again through Match.com with the message, Boo! Exclamation mark, two kisses. The woman told police, I did not quite understand it. Was he trying to scare me, or trying to pretend that nothing happened? I don't know. She reported this to Match.com, the charity Women's Aid, and Lincolnshire Police, and as I said, Lawrence was arrested, but was released on bail after officers said they had insufficient evidence to charge him. It's not quite the same as saying, you're completely innocent, that is it. Four months later, in November 2013, 
Lawrence met a third woman, a 52-year-old company director, yet another match customer, and, after exchanging texts and phone calls, they met at a Costa coffee shop near a home in Buxton in Derbyshire, where the woman recalled Lawrence had made a laugh by poking his tongue through serviettes. Whatever floats your boat. They went back to her home where Lawrence made advances towards her, but he left after she said she didn't want to go any further on a first date. However, the pair did arrange to meet again and Lawrence drove to her house to stay overnight. There, they had consensual sex, but the next morning, she told the court, Lawrence put a finger on her lips, said, Don't shout, and then raped her, despite her hysterical screams and pleas. She continued, I was saying, no, 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 but he just would not listen. The frenzy he was in, he could have killed me, and he would not have known it until after he'd had his satisfaction. After Lawrence had left, he then sent her a text message reading, When you were crying out for me to stop, I couldn't. I'm so mad at myself. Kiss, kiss, kiss. And then another saying, I was disgusted with myself for hurting you. I'm so sorry. I'm too rough for you. Five kisses. Unbelievable, eh? The woman said she was too embarrassed to tell police, but told the court she had phoned Match within 48 hours of the incident, demanding that Lawrence be banned from there, but, I quote, I asked them to put a notice on the system that, that this is a user that should be banned. I didn't want it to happen to another woman. They didn't seem to give a damn. Now I'll explain Match's defence of this later. The woman eventually confided in a solicitor friend of hers, who subsequently contacted police with details of the rape for intelligence purposes, but without naming her. Three months later, in February 2014, Lawrence met a fourth woman off Match, a 40-year-old from Ashbourne in Derbyshire at a hotel car park near East Midlands Airport. They drove together in the woman's car to Bradgate Park in Leicestershire, where they then went for a walk. During the walk, Lawrence repeatedly asked her for a kiss, but she refused because she didn't find him attractive, telling him to concentrate his efforts on older women. Back at the hotel, Lawrence again asked for a kiss and became aggressive when the woman asked him to go away. She told the court that he leant over from the passenger seat and tried to kiss her, then grabbed her right breast over her clothing, before reaching for her car keys and removing them from the ignition. He threw them on the floor between her legs, but she managed to push him away, and he then left. On the way home, the shaken woman stopped in a lay-by to compose herself, and then called a friend to say what had happened. She also subsequently called Match to report him, the third known woman in eight months to do so. Now, unbelievably, in the midst of all that I've described, one of the countless women Lawrence had contacted over the years was preparing to marry him in July 2014. 
His former wife's anonymity is protected. She's never been pictured and referred to only as Sarah, reverting back to her maiden name now. And it is not known exactly when Lawrence met the then 51-year-old mother of one, only that they met on Match.com and married in July 2014. She certainly fitted the mould of woman that he went after also. Physically petite, Sarah had also been recently bereaved after her partner had been killed in a motorcycle accident. Heartbroken and looking for love, company, comfort, whatever, she met Lawrence on match. He charmed her, and Sarah had soon let him move into her half a million pound home in Lippock in Hampshire. Unaware that he was also obsessively trawling the profiles of hundreds of other women, and unaware that by then he had already raped several victims. That July then, they got married in a lavish ceremony attended by his three children, and seemingly bursting with pride, Lawrence clutches a glass of champagne in a wedding photograph posted online by a family member while his bride smiles happily, unaware that she'd married a rapist and a serial cheat. If you head over to the show's Instagram page, I'll post the picture up there. You can see exactly what I mean. It was later to transpire that Lawrence had even been on Match.com and Dating Direct on the day of his wedding, and again whilst the couple were on honeymoon. And within just seven weeks of the wedding, he'd secretly made contact with another one of his victims on Match. Yes, this is a piece of work, this, isn't it? In October 2014, only three months after getting married to Sarah, Lawrence met a 44-year-old woman from Norfolk via the website. They'd agreed to meet at a hotel in St. Ives in Cambridgeshire after connecting on there, and Lawrence booked a room where they had consensual sex before having a walk and a meal together. When the woman asked to use the toilet back in the hotel room before her drive home to Norfolk, upon her returning, Lawrence tore off her tights, tied her hands behind her back, pinned her to the bed, and then raped her. She later told the court, He put his knee into my groin area and slapped my face. He tied my hands behind my back and bit my lip. I kept saying, No, please, don't. I was crying. He bit my breasts and put his hand over my mouth. I didn't think I would be able to breathe. I thought he was going to kill me. The woman, who fled when Lawrence went to the toilet himself, attended a medical centre in Norfolk the following day with injuries to her neck, her breasts and her waist, which were photographed by staff there, and a DNA swab was also taken from her. She continued, I don't understand how someone can go from being so nice and normal and then turn into some kind of monster within an hour or two. Sadly, we know people can, don't we? The following month, Lawrence met up with a sixth woman in a hotel in Oakham near Rutland in Leicestershire, 150 miles away from his marital home. The court heard that the 48-year-old was new to dating, and the pair had exchanged intimate text messages before agreeing to meet at the hotel. 
However, when Lawrence arrived, the woman said she wasn't attracted to him and realised she'd made a massive mistake, but did agree, out of politeness, to eat a picnic with him and for them to share a dance. Later though, Lawrence forced her onto the hotel bed, tore her top off and straddled her, telling her, this is what you want. Now the woman did manage to escape, but did not report him to the police. She was later contacted by detectives investigating his dating history. Mr Smith told the court. One thing she remembers most about that ordeal, apart from the fear she felt, was the sweat coming from him and dripping into her eyes, where the salt made her eyes sore. Just two weeks later, Lawrence's final victim was a 49-year-old North Derbyshire widow that he'd been seeing behind his wife's back, a victim he'd first met on Match.com in April of that year, whilst he was making preparations for his wedding to Sarah. The victim told the court how he briefly called off their fling that June, learning later that he was secretly preparing for his wedding when he'd done so. In November 2014, she agreed to meet up with him at her home during her lunch break, and after arriving there, after having a cup of tea, and despite her protestations that she had a new partner, Lawrence said he had to love her again. He then forced her over a sofa and raped her. His victim told the court, I was pleading with him to stop, saying, don't do this, but he said, this is going to happen, stop struggling. He pushed his weight down on my chest. I could not breathe and I was panicking. He said to me, if you promise not to struggle, I will let you breathe. I decided that I was not going to be able to fight him off, so the best thing was just to give in. I turned my face away and said, get on with it then. They've all been powerful and disturbing words from each victim, granted, but I found that one particularly one of the most disturbing and heartbreaking accounts I have ever researched and written. I really did. That someone, that someone's actions can make a person decide the best course of action for them is to give in. Wicked beyond belief, that is. Just terrible. Can you see why I've used the term monster now? Mr. Smith reiterated to the court. Exhausted and scared, she decided to stop fighting and told him in tears to get on with it. Speaking then about the moment straight after the attack, Mr. Smith continued. What did the defendant do? He asked her if she was going back to work. She asked, do you think I can just carry on as normal after what you've done to me? His response? I couldn't help it, babe. I had to love you. I just couldn't help it, babe. I'm sorry. Can I see you again? I thought you wanted me again. You invited me to your house. You were dressed like that. Yeah, when she told him to go after the attack ended, aside from Lawrence asking her, unbelievably if she was just going to go back to work that afternoon he'd even asked his victim 
for another cup of tea before leaving, as though nothing had happened whatsoever. Unbelievable. The mind boggles, doesn't it? The woman told the court that because she was in a new relationship then, her intention was to carry on as nothing had happened, so as not to jeopardise this. But when two friends called around shortly afterwards, she broke down and told them what had happened. At that point, Lawrence's crimes were finally exposed, and officers began investigating him after Derbyshire police received a call from a friend of the victim who told them that one of her friends had just been raped by him. It was then that officers discovered Lawrence had previously been arrested for an attempted rape in Lincolnshire in 2013 and released without charge, and links were drawn between these attacks and two anonymously reported rapes in Derbyshire and Norfolk. Detectives then launched Operation Seaboard and uncovered what Mr Smith described later to a court as a disturbing picture. Police then trawled through Lawrence's phone and Match.com profile data, revealing three further women who had raised concerns about him. Two of the women said they were raped by a man they identified as Lawrence, whilst a third said she was sexually assaulted by him. He was arrested and charged as a result of this, which led him to the dock of Derby Crown Court in February 2016. In court, Lawrence's sole defence was that he was a philandering cheat who merely loved sex, and that all of his victims agreed to consensual sex with him, saying when he gave evidence. I believe it is called play in the field. I like ladies, and I like sex. That's Match.com. That's what Match.com is like. People meet, and have casual sex, then depart. That's how it is. I don't think it's quite how it is, is it? But Asked why, if the sex was consensual, he hadn't seen one of his victims again, Lawrence replied, She lived too far away, and I already had a wife. Lawrence said that he was the victim of lies from the women who had made allegations against him. Mr Smith then put it to Lawrence that he had a Jekyll and Hyde character, that he would target vulnerable, naive, lonely women, the ones least likely to report you as indeed they did not, and added, When it's going your way, it's fine. When it's not, nasty rapist. When Lawrence denied that he had done anything wrong, Mr Smith said, A wicked lie by all seven? That's a desperately unlucky coincidence for you. Lawrence maintained that the women were lying and he had been deliberately set up, though he couldn't explain for what reason this could possibly be. In a series of victim impact statements read to the court by the prosecution, some of the women described how they felt after the attacks, with many saying they felt sick, humiliated and embarrassed. His first victim, who was raped in the back of Lawrence's van in a field in Northamptonshire in June 2011, said, Since this happened, I've not been able to enter into any form of relationship with a man. I met someone recently, but when he went to hug me at the end of the night, I freaked out. 
The second woman attacked by Lawrence, a Lincolnshire single mother, said she'd been forced to quit her job and move home far away after her attempted rape in her own bed. She added, Because what happened to me occurred in the bedroom, I couldn't face going back there. I could not settle in that house and I slept on the sofa. I've been left anxious and uneasy. I still find meeting men hard as I'm apprehensive and my guard automatically goes up. I have flashbacks and panic attacks about him lying on top of me and suffocating me. Lawrence's third victim, a 52-year-old company director who was raped in her own home in Buxton, said, I keep waking up in the night thinking I've heard the doorbell ring. I no longer trust anyone, mainly men, but also females as well. I would like a long-term partner, but have lost all enthusiasm for meeting anyone. Lawrence's next rape was a 44-year-old woman he'd forced himself on in a hotel in St. Ives in Cambridgeshire, tying her up with her own tights in October 2014. In her victim impact statement, she told how she constantly felt vulnerable, scared and nervous, adding, I get shaky and scared when doing day-to-day things like walking the dog. I feel worthless and ashamed at what he did to me. I honestly thought I was going to die. He has destroyed my self-confidence and self-respect. I regularly burst into tears and rarely get a good night's sleep. My life changed forever after I was raped. The following month, Lawrence had violently raped a 56-year-old woman in a hotel in Rutland, leaving her with injuries. She said, I feel constantly scared, nervous. I felt shame about my daughter seeing the marks. And Lawrence's final victim, a widow he'd raped in her own home after their on-off relationship ended, said, It's difficult to put into words the effect this assault has had on my life. I feel tainted and spoiled, and I'm left with a fear of being pinned down. My home is no longer the haven it was, with cherished memories of my late husband and children. It is now the place where I was violated by this man. In summing up these statements, Prosecutor Sean Smith said none of the women had wanted to attend court to see Lawrence sentenced, instead wishing to put this behind them. He added, Each speaks in eloquent terms of how this has affected their relationships with men, and trust in men, how they have lost self-confidence, and how they have suffered from anxiety and tearfulness. Some have continued to suffer fear in their own home, and fear Lawrence will come and seek them out. Concluding his summing up, Mr Smith asked the jury at Derby Crown Court, Is this a defendant who is a rapist, a sexual predator who will not take no for an answer, or is he some innocent Lothario who, as he claims, is a man who has sexual intercourse with women who submit to him and fall for his charm? On Wednesday the 2nd of March 2016, following a two-week trial, the jury of six men and six women found Jason Lawrence guilty of five counts of rape, one count of attempted rape, and one count of sexual assault. 
Appearing back in the dock the following day for sentence, Lawrence stood impassive as presiding Mr Justice Gregory Dickinson Casey told him as he sentenced Lawrence to life imprisonment. I am convinced that you are devious, manipulative and highly dangerous to women. Lawrence was told he must serve at least 12 and a half years before becoming eligible for parole. He was also given lifelong restraining orders banning him from contacting any of his victims. After stressing that this minimum term equated only to the earliest stage at which Lawrence could be considered for release, Judge Dickinson continued, I am compelled to the dreadful conclusion that you enjoyed raping women. After these terrible crimes, you acted as if nothing had happened. You have shown no remorse, zero appreciation of the seriousness of these offences. For the pain you've inflicted on these ladies, their families and their friends. Your aim was to get your victims into a compromising position and then to do whatever you liked to them, anticipating they would be too frightened or embarrassed to make a complaint or that they would not be believed if they did come forward. There is a significant risk to members of the public of serious harm occasioned by the commission by you of further offences. That phrase is taken from an act of parliament. In plain English, you are a danger to women. Given the chance, you will rape again. I do not know when it may be safe to release you into the community. In my judgment, these offences taken together, so many victims, the trail of terror and agony for which you are responsible, mean that the imposition of a sentence of imprisonment for life is fully justified. A sentence of life imprisonment means you will not be released unless and until the parole board considers that it is safe to do so. Lawrence was then taken away to begin his sentence. It was later reported that Lawrence's parents and three children were devastated by his convictions, though a source reported that Sarah was standing by him, as she had done after his arrest. However, she had not attended a single day of his two-week trial, and shortly afterwards had cut all ties to him. To try to make a fresh start from the horror and betrayal Lawrence had forced upon her, herself as much a victim of his as any other. Sarah soon reverted to her maiden name, sold the home she had shared with a monster she had married, and moved to a town further across Hampshire. Today, they are believed to be divorced, and you would hope that Sarah has since been able to rebuild her trust and find happiness with someone who does cherish her, wouldn't you? Following the verdict, a former friend of Lawrence was quoted as saying, It's sickening to think he was about to get married and was more concerned with finding new victims. He even went onto the site on the day of his wedding and when he was on honeymoon. It's horrific. Sarah obviously had no idea. She was at home in Hampshire while he was meeting and attacking these women off Match.com. Horrific indeed. Detective Chief Inspector Alison Rigby later praised the victims for their bravery for giving evidence, saying, Jason Lawrence is a prolific serial rapist who preyed on women he had contacted through Match.com, a sexual predator who has preyed on women who have got vulnerability. 
he seems to have targeted females who are divorced and widowed. These women were looking for companionship, and instead, what they found was a man who was willing to commit serious sexual offences against them. He then raped, tried to rape, or sexually assaulted these women, claiming they had consented to it. They absolutely did not. Only Jason Lawrence will know how many people he has sexually assaulted. It is possible that there are other people out there. The length of the sentence today reflects the severity of his crimes, and I am pleased we've been able to achieve justice for the victims. The life sentence he's been given means that he may never be released. He will not be able to apply for parole for nearly 12 years, and it may be that if he is still deemed to be a danger to women, he may spend the rest of his life in prison. It is important to remember that this trial has not just been about Jason Lawrence. There are seven women who were abused at his hands, who had to relive their ordeals in front of complete strangers at court. I would say they've been very brave in the fact they've come forward to give evidence and confront him, and I hope that the verdict and the substantial sentence handed to Jason Lawrence today will bring them some comfort and they can move forward and start to rebuild their lives. This has been a long, complex police investigation, and I am pleased that at its conclusion, we've been able to put a dangerous sexual predator behind bars. After the verdict, Judge Dickinson said both Match.com and police could learn lessons from the case after it came to light that four of Lawrence's victims had previously reported his behaviour to the website, but his profile was not removed. He said, Is there any form of supervision on the use of dating sites? I would like to see if lessons can be learned about the use of these. Now as we heard, the court was told that four of the women in the accounts I described, who were not known to each other, had reported the incidents to Match.com, and it told at least one of these women that it was powerless to act because Lawrence had not sent abusive messages via the site. In a statement issued after the hearing, Match.com said, Having worked with the police on this case for more than a year, we welcome the jury's verdict and today's sentence. We are very sorry for those affected and appalled by these terrible acts. Sadly, there is a tiny minority of people who set out to harm others. While this is not confined to dating sites or even the internet, those who do so should be convicted and sentenced, as has happened in this case. Our members' safety is our highest priority. The statement added that it had been unable to initially remove Lawrence's profile following said report because, as I said, the messages had been sent outside their website. It reinforced that it was committed to working with the dating industry as a whole to raise standards and ensure the best possible protection and support for its users, and that members were encouraged to communicate within the site where Match have the technology to spot unacceptable behaviour. In order to try to prevent similar attacks, the site has reportedly introduced the Report a Profile feature, yet once again encouraging all users to only message on its own platforms, where this can be monitored and regulated. 
you'd hope it would be. Now, what also stemmed from Lawrence's trial, or rather the news and publicity of it, during and after the court case, was that further women now contacted police to say they too had been sexually assaulted by Lawrence after meeting him through Match or Dating Direct, now heading back as far as 2009. As a result, a new investigative team looked into these claims, and in January 2019, Lawrence was charged with seven further sexual offences, with two further offences of rape being added that May. On Monday the 15th of July 2019, this time at Nottingham Crown Court, Lawrence, his address given as HMP Nottingham, was back on trial, now facing charges relating to six more alleged victims who had come forward, these charges being seven counts of rape, one of sexual assault, and a charge of assault by penetration, which the then 54-year-old denied, claiming once again that all sex had was consensual. The court heard Lawrence had allegedly raped five of the women from Leicestershire, Northamptonshire, Buckinghamshire and Suffolk, and sexually assaulted the other, all who'd been contacted via Match.com between 2009 and 2014. Opening the case against Lawrence, Clive Stockwell Casey told the court of his previous trial, saying, Seven women who had subscribed to Match.com, seven women who had been sexually violated by the man they had met via that dating site. That man was Jason Lawrence. He stood trial, denying the allegations that the women in that case were making against him, but he was convicted of the crimes that he committed against them rape, attempted rape, and sexual assault. Jurors were then told how a further six alleged victims, now in their late 40s and early 50s, had come forward following that trial, with five of them having seen his name in news reports, as Mr Stockwell continued. As you can imagine, those crimes were reported. His name was spoken of in news reports and on the television, his criminality filtering out into homes across the country. Unfortunately for Jason Lawrence, that news landed with five of the six women you had to hear from and about. That news gave them the courage to come forward, some reporting immediately, some after time had passed, but report him they did. Rape necessarily involves the exploitation of vulnerability, vulnerability exploited to satisfy a selfish sexual need. During this trial, you will hear of the cruelty suffered by vulnerable women, all exploited to satisfy a selfish sexual need. The selfish sexual needs of Jason Lawrence. As well as testimonies from several of the victims, the jury at Nottingham Crown Court was shown video recordings of police interviews from three of the women who described meeting Lawrence and alleged being attacked by him in Leicestershire, Northamptonshire and Buckinghamshire in 2009, 2011 and 2012. Soon after Lawrence joined Match.com in early 2009, he'd raped his first victim. 
He and the 46-year-old woman had initially begun to have consensual sex in a car after driving to a place named Bluebell Wood in Dingley Dell near Market Harbour in Leicestershire. But Lawrence had then took off his belt and put it around her neck. She told the court how while having sex in his car, he had then started tightening it because it would help him finish, he claimed. She had begged him to stop, but he carried on, ignoring her pleas until she eventually burst into tears. Speaking about their first meeting, one of the women, aged 48 and from Northampton, said Lawrence had texted her one day in late 2012, saying he was at a building site in the area and was very pushy about coming around and using her bathroom. She had allowed him around and said that he'd forced himself on her on her sofa and had raped her, telling police that once Lawrence had finished raping her, he had calmly showered upstairs before leaving, she recalled. I said, no, I don't want this, and he said, shut up, it's going to happen anyway. I felt really ashamed, I felt stupid, I let a stranger in my house. Another woman told police she met Lawrence for three dates earlier in 2012 before inviting him to her house. The 52-year-old said Lawrence was insistent on going upstairs for a kiss and a cuddle, but she'd refused. Then, when she went upstairs, she said he followed her, pushing her onto the bed before raping her, saying, I always thought I was strong, but I couldn't budge him. He was like a dead weight. He left very soon afterwards, as if it was all quite normal. It seemed as if he thought it was all okay. I told myself it was silly of me to let him into my house, so it was partly my fault, she said. The jury also heard from a woman who said Lawrence had pinned her down in his car after a date in Leicestershire in 2011 so she had begged him to stop and told him she was on her period in order to deter him. She said, He put his full weight onto me. I was completely and utterly overwhelmed. I was petrified. I thought I was going to get raped, but I think because I was on my period, he didn't. The prosecution said he had ripped out her tampon, but then he had stopped, obviously changing his mind, and she was able to get free from him. She eventually got out of his car and ran away barefoot, but did not report the incident until four years later. In January 2014, Lawrence took a 49-year-old woman out for a drink, before he then drove her to a car park in Bradgate Park in Leicestershire. They started having sex in the back of his van, but she claimed she tried to push him off after telling him she did not want to have sex without a condom. He then ignored this and started having sex with her again, despite her saying, get off. She told the court she could not remember if she said the words no or stop, but said it would have been clear she was not consenting, as Lawrence said, not long now, and good girl, during the second rape. It was never consensual, she stressed to the court. The account that caused the most print space from this second trial, however, 
was the tale of a Suffolk woman who said she became pregnant by Lawrence after she slept with him in July 2014, after he had lied to her about having a vasectomy. Mr Stockwell told the court, Both had sex in mind, but, brackets the alleged victim, was keen to ensure that some protection was in place. She checked with him that he had had a vasectomy, and he confirmed that he had. Put simply, she was telling him, Yes, I will have sex with you if you're telling me that you've had a vasectomy. It was a clear condition, a condition that she was perfectly entitled to insist upon. The woman told the rape trial how Lawrence previously told her in a text message before they met that he'd undergone the snip in a discussion about contraception and the woman checked with him again in person when they subsequently met up for sex, and said Lawrence had made the same claim shortly before they slept together. Having reassured her once more that he was infertile, they had sexual intercourse twice without any contraception, and Lawrence left in the middle of the night. The next day, however, he text messaged her to say, I have a confession, I'm still fertile. Sorry, kiss, kiss, kiss. The woman told the court she later discovered that she was pregnant from this tryst and took emergency contraception, but this didn't work, so she later underwent a termination. She told Nottingham Crown Court, I was absolutely gobsmacked that anybody could do such a thing. Mr Stockwell asked her, would you have had sexual intercourse with him if he had not had a vasectomy? The woman replied, Absolutely not, unless he had other protection. Mr Stockwell told jurors this was clear evidence that Jason Lawrence knew he had blatantly lied to and deceived the woman. His deception robbed her of her freedom of choice. Her consent was obtained by a deception. That, we submit, is not true consent. Now an application to dismiss this charge was made prior to his arraignment. It was submitted on Lawrence's behalf that a lie told about a person's fertility could not, as a matter of law, vitiate consent. In particular, it was submitted that not all deceptions leading to an individual consenting to sexual intercourse are sufficient to negate consent, and it was said that the deceit was so closely connected with a sexual act. In this particular case, the deceit went to the consequences of the sexual act, that is, the risk of pregnancy. Now I shall come back to this particular account shortly. This time, Jason Lawrence opted not to give evidence in his own defence. Mr Stockwell duly finished his case by saying either all the women who had come forward were Wicked liars willing to deceive the court, the police, and in some cases, their own partners, with no clear motive, or that Lawrence, already a convicted rapist, was guilty. He also suggested that Lawrence had refused to give evidence purely for the reason he wanted to stay in control. Lawrence's counsel, David Emmanuel Casey, had argued that perhaps the women had reinterpreted what happened to them after seeing he was a rapist because they'd regretted what might have been awful sex 
with a large sweaty man. He pointed to inconsistencies in their accounts and asked the jury if they could be sure of what had happened, given pieces of evidence such as text messages had gone missing over the years since the alleged offences. Mr. Emmanuel had said, he might, just might, be not guilty. On the 31st of July 2019, the jury panel, again of six men and six women at Nottingham Crown Court, found Jason Lawrence guilty of seven charges. Unanimously guilty on five charges of rape, one charge of sexual assault, and a further charge of assault by penetration, though they did find him not guilty on two of the charges of rape, relating to one of the accounts from January 2014 and one from early in 2012. Lawrence said nothing and appeared emotionless as jurors delivered the latest verdicts before he was remanded back into custody by presiding Mr Justice Jeremy Baker Casey, ahead of sentencing at the same court on the 3rd of October. But in September 2019, ahead of this sentencing, it was reported that Lawrence was appealing against the convictions of rape after lying about having had a vasectomy, which were thought to be the first of their kind and that could have wider implications for others who deceive sexual partners. The Sexual Offences Act 2003 says a person commits rape if the other person does not consent to the penetration or they do not reasonably believe the person consents. Section 74 of that act specifies that a person consents if he or she agrees by choice and has the freedom and capacity to make that choice. Now at trial, Mr Stockwell, prosecuting Lawrence, had told jurors that because he deceived the woman, this had, I quote, robbed her of her freedom of choice. Her consent was obtained by deception. That, we submit, is not true consent. However, Lawrence's defence barrister, David Emmanuel, had argued that classing it as rape was taking it too far, saying, The big question is, can a lie turn consensual sex into non-consensual? This is why this case is like no others. We had a note from a member of the jury asking, is lying about the snip classed as rape? You have absolutely hit the nail on the head. The answer is, it is up to you. The jury decided that it was rape and subsequently found Lawrence guilty of those two charges. Now, it was solely these two convictions that were being appealed, not his other offences. After all, these two convictions were overshadowed by the fact Lawrence is a serial rapist who has attacked numerous women. His solicitor, Sean Draycott, said, Following the convictions recorded in this case, an application for leave to appeal has been lodged with the Court of Appeal and there is optimism with regard to its prospect of success. If these convictions are upheld on appeal, the concern is that members of the public, both male and female, who have never been considered criminals in the eyes of the law, will be at risk of prosecution for serious sexual offences. Now incidentally, following this appeal, on the 23rd of July 2020, 
Lawrence's two convictions about vasectomy were quashed by the Court of Appeal after Lord Chief Justice for England and Wales, Lord Burnett of Malden, sitting with Mrs Justice Cutts and Mrs Justice Tipples, ruled they were unsafe. Their judgment said, In terms of Section 74 of the 2003 Act, the complainant was not deprived by the appellant's lie of the freedom to choose whether to have the sexual intercourse which occurred. Now, understandably, it is a bit of a great sounding area, isn't it? But it is a somewhat slap in the face for that woman, isn't it? By this time, of course, Lawrence was a couple of years into serving his life sentence though on the 3rd of October of the previous year at Nottingham Crown Court, back to 2019, he had collected, in effect, just a further three and a half years for the crimes we heard from his second trial. He had again been sentenced to life imprisonment, granted, but this was to run concurrently with his earlier sentence, and was that day told that his minimum jail term would increase from 12 and a half years to 15. Extending Lawrence's prison term, Mr Justice Jeremy Baker said, I have had the benefit of reading the sentencing remarks from the earlier hearing in 2016, from which it is apparent that you were sentenced for what was in effect a campaign of rape and other sexual offences, committed against women who met you over a dating website known as Match.com. Following your conviction for these offences, I acceded to an application to adjourn the sentencing exercise on you in order that the court could be furnished with a pre-sentence report. The court now has that report, which makes for both disturbing and depressing reading. In reality, the offences for which this court has to sentence you form part of that campaign of rape as each of the women you raped or otherwise sexually abused were also mature, intelligent individuals who were looking for companionship and intimacy, whilst the only thing that you were looking for was sexual gratification. Essentially, you continue to maintain your denial of these offences, and in reality exhibit a lack of any significant insight into the very serious detrimental effect that these offences have had upon your victims. Lawrence was then taken back to HMP Nottingham to continue his life sentence. Jason Lawrence remains in prison today, his earliest possible release date being 2031, when he will be 66 years old. In a statement following Lawrence's second set of convictions, a Match.com spokesperson said, At Match, Member safety is our primary priority. We were appalled by the terrible acts committed by Jason Lawrence and commend the individuals for their courage in reporting these to the authorities. We have supported the police throughout both investigations and welcomed the jury's verdicts as we now welcome the judge's delivery of this fit and proper punishment. Match has a zero-tolerance policy for reports of serious offences and we encourage anyone who has felt exposed to unsafe behaviour, whether through our services or anywhere else, to speak to the police. A monstrous individual indeed this is, and if online dating had been a place, 
he would have made this series Monsters of episode. Although the shy talk we met in that one was terrible enough, I'm sure you'll agree. I'm not a fan of dating sites personally. As I've explained in the Patreon episode, I find it quite sad really that you can today dismiss or accept a person into or from your life purely by swiping left or right on your phone. The old romantic in me says, where's the serendipity gone? Where's the art of conversation, the attraction and someone catching your eye by chance? Where's all that buggered off to? Now I'm sure I'm not alone thinking this, but the account of Lawrence I've just brought you highlights just what a danger these sites can be. And of course, not just to women either, as the cases of Stephen Port or Reynad Sinaga show. Sadly, I think that for whatever preventative steps sites such as Match takes to ensure that if someone is complained about in the way that several of Lawrence's victims had done, for whatever steps they take to ensure that the IP address the said profile is registered from is traced, and this and complaints such as detailed are passed on to police, a predator such as Lawrence will always find a way around this, using a different computer, registering another faceless profile, and carrying on the same horrific campaign until they are caught and stopped. It's a steady stream of potential victims for such individuals. Now following his first trial, several more victims of his came forward, the first of these being attacked dating back to 2009, a full five years before he was finally arrested and charged. Now, the attacks he was convicted of took place in the years between 2009 and 2014, but sadly, I believe that such a prolific user of dating sites as Lawrence completely and purely motivated by sex, with absolutely zero respect for women, will have attacked countless more of them, thinking purely of himself and indeed believing that dating sites were a playground for him to gain sexual gratification. Nothing beyond that. He had reportedly contacted thousands of women off these sites and was willing to travel up to 150 miles from his home for trysts, so for someone so prolific, so motivated by this, that even his wedding day and honeymoon don't dissuade him from looking on them, then I'm sure there are scores more women across the UK that Lawrence has raped or assaulted who haven't been able to find that strength in themselves to come forward, or who have instead perhaps chosen to bury it and just to move on with their lives, not wanting to pick off a scar that took so much time to heal. Perhaps even some who have sadly passed away today so that their stories may never be heard or perhaps accounts that will come at a future date. I doubt personally if Lawrence himself could even remember fully the scope of his offending but I'm even more certain that if he does then he doesn't care one iota for the many lives he's blighted. I don't want to say ruined because a beast like this shouldn't get the chance to ruin. Any pity or remorse he will feel will be purely for himself, chafing at the fact that he is now deservedly locked away, hopefully for a sentence that for him does mean life. I hope he is never released a despicable, selfish, predatory individual. Think not of him following this though, let that bastard rot where he is, but instead 
Think of the bravery of the women who came forward and had to undergo the ordeal of a trial, but in doing so, whose accounts put a monster like Lawrence away for life. Well done to them. Now, and I have mentioned this in the Patreon episode, and I'll recap here, even with the very real risk of coming across predators such as Lawrence or Stephen Port or Reynard Sinaga, to name just a couple, these sites are still more popular than anything. So if anyone listening is using them or thinking of doing so, dipping your toe in for a first couple of dates, then I mean this without an affront to your own common sense and natural caution. But please bear in mind the following few tips to stay safe whilst doing so. Check as much as you can your potential date out. Make sure they are who they say they are. Try and see different photos to confirm that this is the person. If they are genuine, they have nothing to hide whatsoever. And even then, keep it on the dating app for a while until you're sure you want to move forward. Avoid giving them too many personal details. Categorically, do not give your address and be wary about sending them any photos. Be open with friends about who you are talking to. Get their opinions about the person and always take note and bear in mind any opinions that they have about them. Take note of any potential red flags such as a date, putting off meeting, pressuring you for intimate photos, asking you for money or trying to get you around to theirs from the off. Now if you do make it past these points and you agree to a date, then for the date, choose somewhere public and if possible, and you're comfortable with doing so, somewhere that you're familiar with, and perhaps you know the staff there, or you may very likely see friends of yours there. Also, arrange your own transport there and home. Let a couple of friends know when, where, and who you're on a date with. Pass them a picture of the date, and their number also, and wherever details you can also glean, maybe the car registration or something like that. Send a quick message to friends during a loo break saying how it's going and if so, continue to give regular updates to them throughout the date. Make sure that you get your own drink first to watch it being poured. Don't be accepting a drink that your date has waiting for you if they've arrived ahead of you and watch the amount of alcohol that you drink. Never leave any personal possessions unattended while you go to the loo also. Now hopefully with all these points borne in mind, you'll have a pleasant date, perhaps the first of many that may lead to a healthy and happy relationship. However, if after all this the date still does get a bit weird, or you get bad vibes, your spidey sense goes mental, and you feel the need to extract yourself from the situation, then today, most bars or restaurants or places where people go for a date will have services such as Ask for Angela, that can help. Now, if you don't know what this is, there's a link explaining it much better than I ever can in the episode show notes. It's a fantastic service that will help out if things are becoming weird or uncomfortable. Please familiarize yourself with things like this and never be afraid to take advantage of them. That's what they're for. Now, all I can do is stress again that the points I've mentioned aren't meant to be an affront to people's common sense at all. It's just me expressing how safe I would want anyone listening to be in such a situation. That's all it is. Be safe out there, folks. 
you're all too important not to be. I will say also that if anyone listening has been a victim of assault such as mentioned, or any form of sexual violence or domestic violence, and isn't sure about reporting it for whatever reason, thinking categorically wrongly that it's your fault or no one will believe you, then please, it is never your fault, never. And there is always someone who will listen. There always is. I can't stress that enough. And a list of contact numbers and organisations who can help or listen will be contained within the episode show notes. I would love, as always, hearing your thoughts and feedback on the tale Monster on Match, which you can do so in the episode thread that is now up in the show's Facebook discussion group or through any of the show's social media links. You'll never find me aloof, and I will always get back to you. With that, I shall wrap up and shut up here now then, and it's on to the next chapter of Darkness, for we are rapidly approaching the end of another series. Tempest Fugit and all that. So we'll try to bring out some blinding tales before I sit down and do this year's recap. All that remains is for me to say then that I've been, I still am, and hopefully still will be poor, the true crime enthusiast, wishing you all good and safe times, and I shall speak to you very soon. Take care all, stay safe, thanks very much for joining me, and goodbye for now.